You're listening to The Over 50 Entrepreneur, the podcast that's dedicated to the business builders who are only getting started when most are winding down. This is the place to discover how to create more freedom from your business while growing the value of your business. Now here's your host, Rick Hadrava. Hi, everybody. This is Rick Hadrava, your host for another edition of the Over 50 Entrepreneur Podcast. I appreciate you tuning in today. You know, one of the things that I have come to realize is the great benefit of having your own podcast is the opportunity to interview and converse with some very interesting people. But I think the other great thing is you kind of get to pick and choose to some degree who you get to have those conversations with. And my guest today fills both of those boxes for me. Uh, Not only very interesting, uh, but somebody that I admire and have known all my life. So Lauren Thompson is the owner and operator of Docket LLC. She is a mother, wife, sister, daughter, auntie, super guardian, friend, and entrepreneur. Uh, she's got a BS in medical rehabilitation from Springfield College. She has a cer- certificate of legal assistant of legal assistant from Georgetown Paralegal Program in Washington D.C. She is currently a paralegal and operations manager for Thompson and Thompson PC, and as I said, the owner and operator since 2015 of Docket LLC. I I want to introduce my friend, entrepreneur. Excuse me, entrepreneur and cousin Lauren Thompson to the Over Fifty Entrepreneur Podcast. Lauren, thank you for joining me today. Well, thank you, Rick, for that great introduction. Now you hit the nail on the head, and I'm just really excited to be here and be participating in this next uh, adventure that you're on. Well, thank you, thank you. Well, listen, so Doc, it, let, let's start there. It's a flexible workspace for attorneys. But with your background, how did you how did you get from uh, where you were with the paralegal world into docket? Well, Rick, that's an interesting question. I um, I would kind of roll it back to a long time ago. My parents uh, were both in law school when I was growing up, so I have literally been involved in some way or another in the legal industry uh, as long as I can remember. And um, my parents are extremely collaborative in the work that they do and sharing their work with their with their colleagues and helping troubleshoot issues in front of the jury and the judges. And so uh, when I began working for them about 20 years ago, that was one of the things that really stuck with me is how much they were giving their information and helping others. Fast forward uh, to 2015, uh, my folks have been practicing for a long time, and I started thinking about something that I could do for myself to um, obviously generate income and keep me from having to go and uh, schlep and find somebody to hire me. So um, Docket came about because of the collaboration that I had seen with my parents, and I thought, you know, a place where lawyers could have a low cost rent and come and uh, share information with each other, but uh, not have a high overhead would be a great model. So that's kind of was the initial idea. Okay. And so in 2015, what did Docket look like out of the gate? 
out of the gate, what it looked like is actually pretty different from what it is now. It really looked more like a um, shared office space concept for a very limited uh, group of lawyers um, in the criminal defense industry. That's the industry that I have focused most of my time and my parents have focused all of their practice on. Um, and so I envisioned really providing space for bar advocates um, in the community. And those are attorneys that are not actually hired by the state. They're solo practitioners that can take cases in Springfield, but they need to have a place to do their work. And I imagine that my folks would come over there and they would help collaborate and it would be this just amazing uh, space for collaboration. Okay. That was in, in 2015. <laughs> so in 2015, as this was coming out, you had this vision for what this could look like. What changes, you know, you, so so it's always the one thing is we have to pivot, right? We have a vision, we execute on it, and then yeah. we get some response right back from the marketplace. Uh -huh. So 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 what was the response that you received early on with that concept? Uh, so early on, the first couple of responses that I got was that my price point for individual memberships was high for the legal community and narrow, um, that there you know, are a limited amount of bar advocates in any community, and so that I probably wasn't going to get a lot. Um, however, naively, I thought they didn't really know what they were talking about since <laughs> I was in the industry. <laughs> That quickly became very apparent to me that especially the concept of having a niche that was so narrow uh, that it was just criminal defense immediately alienated a large population of attorneys in the region because uh, it's just such a specialized field. Um, and then to narrow it down even more, it is such a specialized field that really the very high profile criminal defense attorneys you know, they don't mind hobnobbing with you at a, at a you know, uh, networking event, but certainly they don't want to be sharing space with you on a regular basis because you're competing for the same cases. Um, so, yeah, it was a pivot, a pivot moment. So so what what result came out of that, you know, when you did pivot? Did, did you just open it up then? It took, I, I would say that it knocked me back about, uh, you know, in terms of just how this was all uh, going to be taken and what, how, how we were going to present ourselves to the community. Uh, probably a, a good six months because we had pretty much set our marketing towards this. We had, um, you know, our website, our, all of our promotions that we had done and talked about was that this was for the legal defense community. So we just had to open it up to all legal professionals. And so that it was a really big change. And it took a little bit of time for uh, us to get that message across that we weren't as narrow. Um, and then, you know, to go back because of the internet, it's, there's, you're on so many platforms, making sure that you've actually adjusted all of the platforms to represent the fact that you actually have pivoted. Uh, yes. It's challenging. It's a lot of work, isn't it? Yeah. So did you so how long did it take before you saw the results of those changes that you implemented? Well, I would say that we started really picking up the clientele that we were looking for probably after yeah, the first year, a little bit after the first year. 
Um, we're pretty much at maximum capacity now. Um, and thankfully that's because we pivoted. Otherwise I think we would have had to, uh, you know, probably close without really realizing that we were meeting a need. Right. Yeah. So, so really it, you know, one of the concepts that we talk about a lot of time, a lot of times in workshops and one-on-one is defining the problem, which you did with Docket, um, but really understanding who has that problem. And mm-hmm. sounds to me like that that was um, a point where you changed. Luckily, you were flexible enough to see that change, and, and it's been beneficial. So you're, you're almost at capacity today. What, what's the vision for Docket in, in the work that you're doing? Well, so the, the interesting thing right now is that I am still supporting Thompson & Thompson uh, on a part-time basis, and um, I have a very busy home life as well, and then I'm running Docket. So the vision for the future would be uh, to do some expansion sort of with, you know, on the Northeast Corridor here so that it's uh, easy for me to, to get to more than one location. Uh, we've been sort of limiting ourselves right now because we do have uh, – children at home that are just starting you know, late middle school, beginning into high school, and I, I feel like I need to be around for that. So the beauty of the space that I've created is it is very flexible, and it doesn't take up a lot of my time right now. So planning for the future right now really looks like just setting aside money so that when I do launch that second space, it runs as seamlessly as the first one, but that I don't jump that gun. Does that make sense? It, it, absolutely. And so, you know, you're talking about family and other priorities and things you have. Is there, do you have employees or is this simply just you, Lauren, at this point? It's me at this point. And I think that, um, you know, some of the uh, types of expansions that we've explored with, you know, with my attorney and with uh, folks that have used Docket have been, you know, perhaps some kind of um, franchise. Uh, you know, it really is a box type of uh, business. So it could really be picked up and moved and just open up into another space. It's understanding the nuances of doing that type of thing. And right now, it not only is just myself, but it really takes about five hours a week of my time. Wow. So, That's yeah, impressive. so it's, yeah, it's uh, really, really uh, valuable to me that I have all of that extra time and that I'm metering the income that I need to make right now. And so I feel really good about that. That's something that I really have control over. That's the freedom that you talk about. Exactly. Well, and I like you talking about valuable in the context of time as, as well as financial, um, because I think those two are, are ideal when we can bring them together. But I have to, as I'm listening to you, the thing that hits me is you've got to have some level of automation in your, in your company then. Absolutely. And this is a, you know, kind of a funny concept because I did not have that background when I started Docket. I had an idea and we really didn't have any, and we still don't have anything um, of this nature in Springfield. Um, so I met an IT person who, when I asked them to come in and kind of set up our internet and stuff, really understood 
what I was trying to do um, and had a background in sort of like hotel setting up IT at hotels and at state fairs and places where, you know, in a lot of ways, it's very similar. You're going to these places. You want to have access to a printer or you want to have access to the Internet, but, you know, you don't want to set up a home base there forever all of the time. Um, and you want to be able to come and go when you need to. It may be for a month. It may be for, you know, just a day. Um, so my IT guy was very critical in helping me to realize that. So uh, when a member joins Docket, they are everything is automated. Everything is done um, online. I like to meet people in person just so that I know that they're a good fit for our community. Other than that, they get an app that um, has key access for them that renews every month when their membership renews every month. And we have a website platform that allows them to do all of their scheduling for meetings. Um, and I, I can see all of that. So I know if there's going to be some kind of a big me- event or there's going to be a lot of people in the space, then maybe I want to go over there and just make sure everything runs smoothly. So, yeah, it's very automated. Interesting. I, I'm I'm really fascinated with what you've developed in the automation. And five hours a, a week is impressive. Would you so with the business you're doing with Thompson and Thompson, is this a side hustle type of thing as we that becomes a buzzword these days? Or um, is this something that that you see yourself moving more and more to as time allows you? Oh, absolutely. I really don't think of it as a side hustle at all. I mean, actually, I think side hustles probably take a lot more time and work and energy um, and you don't have probably anywhere near as much control over the schedule uh, that I do because it, it is a successful small business. It's just uh, what I would, you know, probably place into the platform model as opposed to, you know, a, um, you know, a worker model. So, you know, like Uber and a lot of these large businesses are coming today, they really are platforms that then, you know, perpetrate their, their businesses and services out to people. So I feel um, like, yeah, I could take this and make it much bigger. And really, I can continually just say to myself, right now, I really need all of the time. That's more valuable to me. Absolutely. So I feel like I'm paying myself in time. Right. And like you talked, like you talked about, you, you've got family and household things. Um, and again, the Thompson Thompson work that you're doing. But Lauren, I think if somebody's listening to you talk, they're thinking, well, she's an entrepreneur and, uh, you know, obviously uh, she's got a business sense. And I think you do, but I think it's worth sharing a little bit of your backstory. You know, one of the things I'm sitting here looking at going back to the BS and medical rehabilitation that um, that you got in really 1996. So. Yeah. <laughs> You know, tell us a little bit, share a little bit of your story, your background, and maybe how those things influenced where you are today. Would you do that? Sure. Um, I have to think about where would be a good starting point. I, um, you know, I always, when I think about entrepreneurship, think about um, Iowa City, uh, where I lived when we were when we were small. We moved around a lot when I was growing up, but Iowa City held a real big place in my heart and one of the great things was we lived right near the stadium and uh, so we had the opportunity to park cars on the weekends and make a lot of cash and I would go to the to the games and sell popcorn 
And so I feel like I've always been an entrepreneur. It's always been how can I make money and enjoy what I'm doing. Yeah, I had a few rough years in between during high school and before I went off to college. I kind of, you know, went off the rails a bit and and uh, had no idea what my future was going to hold for me going to Springfield College. My idea really was I was very much into fitness. I was a gymnast growing up. I was a runner. I did uh, triathlons, and so going into medical rehabilitation was, uh, I thought, going to be a pathway to becoming a physical therapist. But I had a lot of things I had to overcome even during college, just in terms of my own insecurities and my ability to speak in public and things that um, caused me to take a little bit of a longer path through graduating. And by the time I got done with that, I was ready to uh, head west. And so instead of continuing and maybe going into PT school, which I didn't feel like I really actually was qualified for, I drove across the country and headed out to California and um, got a job with Roadrunner Sports, which was fantastic. I got to, you know, buy and sell and, you know, get all the latest sports gear and do lots of races and have a really good time. And, uh, but consequently found out that it was a little bit expensive to live out in California and I moved to DC. (laughs) Yeah. A lot of bit expensive. Let's be real. Um, so I moved to DC. I moved there actually, uh, at a time in my life when I was really looking to figure out what my purpose was. And so I, um, did some work with the AmeriCorps and worked with uh, Homeless Veterans Association and got a lot of exposure to um, just the underbelly of Washington, D.C. And while I was doing that, I went to school at Georgetown, which was an amazing opportunity because I was really literally at the Georgetown Law Library every day. Although I wasn't in law school, I was getting a degree from there, and it was just an amazing experience. And um, and then that brought me to Springfield um, at a time when my parents were looking for somebody to take over the support of their business. Excellent. Excellent. And, you, and you've been doing that for a number of years now, as we talked about, uh, gosh, almost 18 years? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So you talked a little bit about um, looking for purpose. And I think that's interesting. And, and before the show, we, we visited a little bit about um, self-development and those kind of things. And I'm curious, you know, do you, as you look back, were there any books or content um, that kind of helped guide you and and change a little bit of maybe the thought process you were going through with some of the struggles? Well, I, there are a couple of uh, things that really made a difference for me. One obviously is Tony Robbins because he's just amazing. And I just loved anything that came out by him. Um, and really, it really helped me to have a sense of the giant within me, so to speak. Um, sure. I also I also spent a lot of time with the Bible and with uh, religious texts that sort of helped me again to uh, get an inner sense of strength and understanding of, uh, you know, really what, what kind of purpose I was looking for in my life um, that didn't really need to go outside of myself. So, those are the things that were the most influential for me. And of course, as you know, we have a large family and I benefited tremendously from a lot of uh, prayer. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, and, and very fortunate 
in that. Well, let, let me ask you this. As a business owner, and, and you know, one of the things entrepreneurs, a lot of times they fall into the trap of they're continually doing, doing, doing. And we're advocates for showing them how to gain a little more freedom. And you've done an excellent job with Docket, I think, uh, of being an owner and not simply the operator, even though fairly still early in that journey. But with family and with the work you do with your parents' law firm and Docket, what do you what do you do? How how do you stay above getting the burnout and and those challenges and those struggles? Um, is there is there a way that you cope with that or that you've learned to kind of navigate that? Yeah. So I will. Um, what I've considered this question um, quite deeply because. I really wanted to avoid that this time around. I've been, obviously, when I was working full-time at the law office, we are constantly in a state of high excitement and high engagement, and there's rarely an opportunity to stop, look back, see your accomplishment, acknowledge it, or the other side of it, lessons learned, what what have we learned this time? It's just a constant, like, churning of cases and moving and working. Um, and I knew when I wanted to start my business that I did not want to have that level of energy devoted to something um, that was going to take up so much time. So quickly, it became apparent to me, and I did have ideas when I started this flexible workspace that we would be doing um lots of trainings and that we would be doing events at night for networking for attorneys. Uh, thankfully the, the business itself, the, the people who were there showed me that that that's not my role. They have that through their bar associations. They have it through whatever they're specializing in. And so we did not spend a lot of time hosting those kinds of events. If we were doing that regularly, I would be exhausted already. So <laughs> it, it really is identifying you, you know, what the needs are of the group that you're with and, and really being able to say no, say no to the fundraisers and say no to, you know, we're this um, annual meeting, would you like to host a table kind of thing? Um, you know, I don't really do any of those things. Um, I might in the future if I was really looking to accelerate growth, but I would I would really plan that in to pare down any other things outside of that that might be demanding of my time because I really feel like my bank deposit is time. That's where I am yeah. in my life. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but I want to circle back on this a little bit because you hit on something that I think is very valuable in that the client feedback really gave you direction. And I think a lot of time entrepreneurs, especially when we're, we're driven and we have vision and we think we've got the best solution, sometimes we're a little hard to hear what our customers or clients are telling us. So was that something that they came to you and gave you that feedback unsolicited or were you asking? Um, It's a combination of asking um, both my members and myself. Uh, I guess what I would look at after I would do some of these events is how much time I had a lead time was I needing to get all of those things started? How many people were actually responding to that particular event? And then, um, you know, what was the overall value that I got 
on the other side of it. Um, as far as doing, you know, trainings or in-house types things, um, it really was time intensive. The other thing that I did get feedback on from people, and when I began Docket, uh, everybody said I had to do was to do a newsletter, right? Every Keep people up to date, let them know what's going on. My members were clear that they get enough emails, they get enough stuff they don't, you know, really, that's not why they came to Docket, it's not what a flexible workspace is in their eyes, it's really just a place for them to come and do their work and leave. So I'm really, really just providing the space, the clean space. It's classy. It's professional. Everything they need. The only time I hear from my members is if we ran out of paper. (laughs) (laughs) Operations, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think it's fascinating because, you know, I think as entrepreneurs, we've got to recognize that our clients really are, are our champions. They want to see us succeed. And if we're doing a good job for them and we're open to feedback and sometimes it's positive and sometimes it's a little hard to take, but they will share that with us because they want us to be successful. And so I think it's wonderful that you got some of that input early on. Yeah, it really is helpful. And, and I've come to really rely on the community that I've developed that to uh, acknowledge that they are Every one of the, them is a lawyer, so they've had some sort of an education and focus and commitment. Uh, so they're adults. They've arrived, right? Yeah. So they don't need me there uh, holding their hand on, uh, in that regard. And so just really honoring that as well. Um, the thing about flexible workspaces is that each member that I have is actually their own entrepreneur. They're trying to promote their own business. And so the more that I'm in the background, the more that when they're using Docket, it's their space. It's their presentation to their clients. It's their, however they choose to say to their client, this is how successful I am and this is how I'm choosing to make my business flourish and this is why you should choose me. Um, multiply that by each and every person that, that I have as a member. So the less that, you know, like our spaces aren't blasting docket all over the place. You know, there is clearly, you know, you've arrived at docket, but it's, it's Joe's space and it's Linda's space and it's John's space, you know, so they really love that ownership quality. Great point. That is a great point. Well, listen, so I'm curious, you know, we've talked a little, quite a bit about Docket and your background, and I, I think it's always fun to share with our audience, you know, through your experience, what is the one piece of advice that you would give an entrepreneur today? Because, you know, we talked about we want to encourage not only entrepreneurs that have been in the game for a while, but entrepreneurs that maybe are second half entrepreneurs that come out of a corporate world or, or their background has, has taken them in different directions. So would, do you have something that, that, you know, you could share that said, Hey, here's one thing I would think about if I were in that entrepreneurial journey starting over today. So I would recommend actually two things, depending on if you're, if you are going to need any type of physical location for myself. One of the lessons learned for me early on was um, negotiating a lease, especially a business lease, much different. I mean, I've bought and sold lots of houses, but it's not the same thing at all as negotiating a lease. Um, 
it's another area that I think I would have been successful sooner from a financial standpoint if I'd had a little more insight into how to go about that negotiating. So I think that's really, really important that if, if, if an individual out there is getting ready to start a business, that they really either have somebody who is skilled in that area or they know themselves how to really negotiate for if you're going to do build-outs or if a longer-term lease at a, shorter, at a lower rate is more beneficial or, you know, depending on how you feel about the your prospects for success. The other thing that is really important and that I have been able to do is I finance my business mostly up front. I have very, very little debt. I mean, I have I have uh, less than $10,000 debt um, for my business. And uh, that is really good because um, there's just not that extra pressure to go out and accept all of these different opportunities or really try to push uh, to uh, get your name out there and make this successful because you can't afford to, to pay your bills. So I think it's extremely critical that uh, financing um, and debt are low, especially for those first year or two while you're trying to figure out if this is actually a model that's going to work. You know, in this day and age where everybody seems to want to raise capital with an idea, I think you're, I think you're spot on. The, the ability to have a, a business that can cash flow and have as little debt on the books as possible it just gives you great flexibility and it's harder. It's harder, right? But that's yeah. great advice. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, it's harder. So initially, I mean, everybody that I talk to about starting a business says, you know, it's the first three to five years, you know, you really, it's, it's hit or miss. And I agree with that. I mean, I'm in year four going in, you know, four and a half years now, and that it's definitely been, you know, a little bit of hit or miss, but I will have a really solid uh, financial sheet when I go, if I want to expand. You know, I, w I have been able to take out loans and pay them back. I don't have a heavy credit card debt, but I do have a solid credit card history. Um, so those types of things, when I feel like I'm in a better position to start dedicating more time to this business, I will have the financial backing to be able to do that and be more secure, get better rates and uh, feel more confident. Absolutely. That is that is great advice. I appreciate you sharing that. Lauren, we're, we're coming to the end of the show. Um, and so if there's somebody listening today and they want to get in touch with you, learn more about Docket and the work that you do, how, how can they reach out to you? How can they get in contact? Well, as you mentioned earlier, we're pretty much a platform-based uh, business. So we do have a website. It's www.docket, which is D-O-C-K-I-T-M-A, which is Massachusetts.com. So it's www.docketma.com, and you can visit us there. We have a form there if you want to learn more information, and I'm great at getting back to you, and we'd love to have you take a visit. Fantastic. Well, I, I got to tell you, and I don't say this from a place of bias, but I've really enjoyed having you today, and it's great to uh, be able to hear your story. And I'm looking forward to seeing the future for Docket and your success. So, Lauren, appreciate it. And guys, you've been listening to the Over 50 Entrepreneur Podcast. This is Rick Hadrava. And until next time, remember, we're only getting started. So let's work every day to move that dial. Thank you for tuning in. 
The Over 50 Entrepreneur Podcast is sponsored by Epic Business Advisory, where we help entrepreneurs escape the owner's trap, build businesses that can succeed without you, allowing you the opportunity to realize more freedom, think bigger, and pursue next-level goals. Download our freedom formula at epicsbiz.com formula. And remember, we're only getting started.